<laughs> hey, and we're back, and we're back, we're back. We did it. Um, so we've uh, we've already started and stopped a couple times because of somebody's inappropriate comments. We won't say who, Bob. Um, maybe it was Santonio. Maybe that's why he's not with us today. Maybe, but probably not. Santonio's not with us, so if you're here for him, sorry, um, he'll be back next season. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, so yeah, Mark, it's uh, it's cold out today. Am I right? Am I right or am I right? How cold is it, Bob? It it was so cold out this morning that my mustache froze. Yeah, no, it was it was really cold. It was cold enough that you wore a sweater to the gym. I did. Still wearing that sweater. Don't smell it. Don't smell it, folks. I just wore over the top of the clothes that worked yeah. out. You're right. You're right. I mean, you wore a coat to the gym, and you wore it afterwards. Yeah, but don't I look tough in that coat? It's my welding coat. Not really. Yeah, right. I always see the way people look at me when I go into the gym, and they're like, whoa. Like, they're here. You, you know, they're looking at the shower shoes you wear no, to bro. the gym. <laughs> bro, they're looking at... Uh, they're looking at the two of us, and they're like, whoa, everybody, back up. Everybody move aside. Back up, back up. He's back on the tracks. We are back on the tracks. That's right. On the weightlifting tracks in the morning. That's right. New um, year, new me. <clears throat> what are those things hanging from your armpit, bro? You probably don't even know they're there. We just saw it on this side. From each armpit, there's like a, like a dingleberry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my it's gosh. Like a, I don't know. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, on both armpit, like it looks like they were like put there. Like, like a, all right, moving it's, it's on. Like three I already, long. I hate this podcast already. <laughs> it's cold. I was in it's a great stuff mood. hanging from his armpit. I was in a great mood till I got uh, into the podcast studio. Okay. Thanks, Bob. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm trying, just trying to get myself in the zone. All right, I'm there. You're in the what, zone now. Yeah. What could, what is it going to take making, to get you there? Making fun of me helped you get in the zone. It just laughing helped me. I don't know why I'm not used to that by now, but that's... how many years have we known each other? Um, I met you when I was 16, and I'm going to be 37 on <sighs> Sunday, so 15 years. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, What's it's that? 21 years, man. It's not years. that hard. I didn't uh, graduate from college. I'm hey, sorry. that's all right. That's all right. Um, we have a great guest today. Maybe we, we should do have a great guest. You want to introduce her? You want me to do it? I think you should. Okay, our guest on the show today is no stranger to some uh, vagabond fans. Um, she is a legend in her own right. Uh, she's she's done lots of ministry, um, whether it was at Franciscan when she was a student there. Um, she has just finished a year as a grad assistant in the evangelization office. Um, which is, she's, she's thrived at. Um, but she did a year with us as a vagabond missionary in Wichita, Kansas. She was a phenomenal missionary there, uh, has some, has some good stories and, uh, nuggets that I'll let her, uh, share with us a little bit later. Um, but yeah, just, just an all around, uh, amazing woman. She's got her own podcast called She's Too Loud. It's great. Check it out it's really on Spotify good. or yeah. wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, it's it's a really fun podcast. And um, 
she's about to get 32 more listeners after this, uh, listening to this podcast. Right, Mark? Right. And one of the two of us have been a guest on the her podcast. The other one hasn't been asked. Keep keep it a secret. Let, let's let them do a yeah. deep dive into She's Too Loud and they'll figure it out. You guys figure it out who it is. Anyway, um, if you haven't guessed yet, her name is Shelby Ellis. She's here all the way from Louisiana to join us today. Give it up, Shelby Ellis. <laughs> oh, we're down we're down oh. a clapper without Santonio, San but there's at least four hands clapping in this building right now. The so, studio uh, audience was laughing at the things hanging from my yeah. sweater, not, oh, not you, Shelby. No, no, no. Yeah, we heard some snickering in the background. Mm-hmm. Could have been a mouse. Could have been. Shelby, uh, thanks Welcome. for being with us. Thanks so much, guys. 32 listeners would be twice as many as we have now. Hey. I'd choose too loud. So they we have were 17 listeners. Last, last week, um, I mean, probably be out of order when it's released, but Father Josh Johnson was like, oh, I have 15. I thought he said 1,500 a week, and we were like, 1,500. So at the end, we were like, oh, sorry, it wasn't 1,500. He was like, uh, it's 15,000. 15,000. Listeners? Yeah. And we got 15 to 15,000. To you, I guess, would be like 1.5. So it's like, it's just the <laughs> law of zeros, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I learned about that in college. <laughs> when you did the 21 uh, year, <laughs> year math. Uh, so Shelby, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, where'd you come from, what are you doing now in life? All that good jet junk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks guys for having me. I love hanging out with you guys. We love um, you. Yeah, so I, like Bob said, I'm from South Louisiana, and I came. I met Bob originally when I came to Franciscan and was involved with uh, the Office of Evangelization, and um, I studied biology in my undergrad. But um, after graduating, I as as wait, hold on a second. While you're on the biology thing, could you tell the story about when I came to your thesis presentation about killer um, plants? Killer plants, all my, right. My presentation wasn't oh about killer plants. It was about carnivorous plants, but Bob so generously showed up, sat at the top <laughs> the top and front, and at the end, anyone is allowed to ask questions in the, in the like, audience, and Bob asked these two questions. One, in your opinion, what is the most dangerous carnivorous, what is the scariest is in the world, what is the scariest living plant? And I had to say um, a Venus flytrap. But the other question was actually really scientific and, and really impressive. But that that was my teacher like glared straight at Bob when he asked, "What is the scariest plant on Earth?" Yeah, but, your teacher yeah. didn't like that. No, he didn't like that. He's, he's a pretty serious guy. He needs to get over himself, whoever yeah, he is. You're right. Anyway, I interrupted your. In, in no, you're good. Your yeah, it's yeah, yeah. In, it's called introducting. Introducting, and I so I graduated from Franciscan. Um, my plans fell through when when coronavirus hit and ruined all of our lives, and um, I like quickly realized I needed to get a job. Um, and after talking to my friend who um, was had already been like hired for Vagabond, she was like, "You should apply for Vagabond. Like, I know it's late in the game, but um, you should give it a shot." And I applied. I talked to Mark. And the ball was rolling really fast, and I got hired and was really so excited and honestly, like, a little disappointed that I hadn't, like, thought of this possibility before then. So um, so that's how I got in touch with Vagabond. And like Bob said, I'm back at Franciscan now as a graduate assistant, and I'm studying clinical mental health counseling. There you go, folks. If you have nothing else to do, you need a last-minute resort, just apply to Vagabond, and we'll hire you. <laughs> Come on down to Vagabond. <laughs> Tell your mama. <laughs> oh, Gotta love it. Tell your mama. Tell your mama. 
All right, Shelby, um, how how was, like, just real brief in general, how was your time, your one year as a missionary? Yeah, it, it was great, and I don't just say that as, like, someone who's been asked to come and, like, talk up Vagabond. I really loved it. Um, I started in August and, and finished up around May, um, and I was in Wichita, Kansas for that year. Um, I really enjoyed not only, like, being a part of the team and being in the community, but I made a lot of lasting relationships with teens in Wichita, um, teens I still keep up with and, and check in on. And um, I loved being able to spend time with them, being able to walk with them in the various, like, times in their life that they were in. And um, and, I, and I miss a lot of them now. Um, so overall, it was a great year. Follow-up question. If you loved it so much, why the heck did you leave? <laughs> That's a great question. I, I really... Um, you can talk to Andy if you need to verify this. Uh, I really wanted to do a second year um, and even, like, stay on long-term, but um, after praying about it and um, a particular encounter I had with one of my teens, uh, I really felt called to pursue mental health counseling um, to be, and, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll, I don't know if we'll talk about this more later, but I'd really like to counsel inner-city teens in the future if that's a possibility, um, just after hearing some of the experiences of some of my teens. No, I mean, I was mostly joking with that question, but that was, like, one of the biggest, like, bummers when, like, we were going through last year, towards the end of the year, figuring out who was staying, who was moving on, and, yeah, when they said you were moving on, I was like, no. <laughs> but yeah. then I was happy because you were going to be moving back to Steubenville to go <coughs> to grad school, so. Stay in the mix. It's a small world when it comes to, like, ministry evangelization. Eventually, you're going to run back into each other, even if it not working for the same organization, you know. Even it's if like, you don't want to. Even if you don't want yeah. to. <laughs> even if you're running them over with your car. Oh. Like I almost like, did. Like you almost did yesterday. I yeah. I slipped on the way out. Me and Mark, just for the listeners, so you know um, what I mean when I say that we're the bad guys at the gym. Yeah, we lift every morning at 530. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not every morning, but. Every we, other morning. Several mornings. Um, and I slipped, and I started slipping all the way underneath the car. <laughs> He my, like went my legs to were under the, the car. He like went to open the door, and I like saw him like pull the handle, and then all of a sudden I looked, and he was gone. Oh my like God. my hand was on the handle, but my body was underneath the car. <laughs> it was. I was actually scared at first, and then once I found out, he was like, uh, "Okay." I know it. May, it, it was kind of like flattering that you like had such a concerned look on your face. Was I was that? concerned for you. You know, but then I like said to Kate, "I was like, he looked concerned, but like then he didn't talk about it." And then Kate was like, yeah, because he said, like, he didn't want to make you feel bad about it. Yeah, I didn't want you to. I, th- I felt like maybe you'd be embarrassed about yeah. it. I just was like, just That's a good it, friend right there, let folks. Let it slide, bro. That's a good, that's a good friend. Thanks. Anyway. Thanks, bro. We got off topic. Yeah. Um, back to Shelby. Shelby, I was going to say I, <clears throat> last Christmas, was at an executive, uh, like, off-site day. And you gave him your heart? Last, last Christmas. Okay. I gave you my heart. Now we have to pay for that. On podcastroyalties.com. Oh. I'll Pod- write the check. Oh, podcastroyalties.com. Oh. This episode of Vagabond Missions Podcast brought to you by podcastroyalties.com. Um, anyway, I was at this uh, executive offsite because I'm an executive. And <laughs> they were, uh, one of the questions that this like business coach had us do is he said, write down, I want everyone to write down. Did I already tell you this? I don't think so. I want everyone to write down if Vagabond Missions had to be re 
recreated, restarted, rebegun. Rebegun is not it. Had to be rebegun on (laughs) Mars. Um, What three people would you send from the organization? And on three different people's um, papers, your name was on there. And it was pretty flattering. Was yours one of them? That is so flattering. Yeah, mine was one of them for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he didn't want to say. But but the point is, is that like, you know, you were, at that point, you were a missionary for six months and everyone was like, man, she gets it. She gets um, like what a missionary is. You have a great work ethic, but like, I, I think there's a difference between having a good work ethic and having like a, a ministry work ethic, which is, I, I think sometimes even harder because it, it really like, you know, there's strings that are attached to your soul, you know? So it's like, it's, it's really hard sometimes. And, uh, I think you, you keep giving and giving. So that was, uh, that was a really cool thing. It was cool for me, <coughs> excuse me, um, when you said that you wanted to, um, be a missionary just because I, I did see a lot of, of really good things in you, but, there's also some really unique things about you. I think that uh, you really bring a lot of joy out of people. You're you're like a brave go-getter. You know, we always joke that we're both feminists and uh, and we both have feminist coffee mugs that say feminist on it. Um, That's cool. Yeah, Pope Pope John Paul II called himself a feminist. So uh, I'm a feminist too. I love women. Okay. <laughs> <I> love women. <laughs> nice, bro. Um, Comes off a little different when you say it, but um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I uh, you know one thing I know I've talked to you about this before, and uh, I uh, okay now I'm looking at the thing hanging off your armpit again. I could tell you exactly what it looks like a dreadlock. It's literally it's a sweater dreadlock, dude. You have to see it later, dude. It's it's so awesome. All right, so you were saying about okay. Shelby <laughs> was one of the things we've talked about before is when we first started Vagabond Missions, like one thing that I remember thinking was like, man, I wonder if any women will ever apply for this. Because Not because I didn't think women are like brave or strong or, you know, could do the job, but I just thought like it would appeal to a man's heart, like in a specific way, you know, this like whole idea. You know, I feel like a lot of times, you know, like a guy, um, not that it's it's exclusive, but a guy is attracted to like adventure and danger and like kind of like anti-establishment, like just... Not not that vagabonds necessarily dangerous or anti-establishment, you know, but like, but there is like that element of it. I think that it seems uh, to kind of attract uh, that that part of a uh, a person's heart. And uh, I it, I was really surprised when like you know over the years I were like, man, we get way more women that uh, that apply for vagabond than than men. And it, it's sad to me not because I don't want to have the women because. You know, like women have, you know, always changed the world and always uh, been leaders in the church and, you know, leaders and uh, apostolates, I think, in, in modern, uh, in the modern era. But uh, but it's sad in the sense that, you know, like I think for so many guys, and I'm going to stop pontificating here in a second, but for so many guys, like our experience growing up is like the dads weren't like the ones in the church who were like leading the charge. It was like we have holy moms or we have holy grandmoms. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and once again, it was like, you know, as part of me, it's like, where are the guys? Like, why, 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 uh, in this, in this, you know, business that's, that's a little rough around the edges and that's, 
that that's kind of, uh, you know, I, I think would naturally appeal to a man's heart? Like, is it that, um, you know, we have so many women responding? And I think it just, you know, it speaks for, like, women in the church today. Like, we have, we really do have, I know you're not alone in, in being, you know, a, a brave woman. But I wanted you to just speak to that a little bit. Like, you don't, you don't have to, you know, build yourself up as a tough guy or a tough gal. Um, but, you know, like, <clears throat> what was it like? being um a woman and being in a ministry that i think is perceived as being wild or um you know possibly dangerous um you know you you're, you're working with quote unquote at risk kids and you know like what was it like going into it what were your thoughts um on what you thought it was going to be like what was it actually like um yeah just the give us a dose of honesty there yeah, the first thing I thought of when when you originally like said uh, like the whole like concept of it being dangerous, the the first thing I thought of was like um, not maybe like the physical danger, but I think like it feels dangerous to us to reach out to strangers or, or to talk to a stranger without first being like approached. And um, a big part of vagabond, which I think you guys have talked about here before, is that contact work side of it, and um, really like being the one to step out and and reach out to a person or like be the first one to say hi, even though. It may make you seem weird, make make you seem dangerous maybe at first. But um, to us, I think, like, definitely for me, that was one of the scariest parts of Vagabond was um, having to be the one to, like, reach out to a teen or introduce myself or, like, ask a kid, like, hey, you want a hot dog? And, like, risk them being like, whoa, like, don't talk to me. Um, that part did did sometimes not even really, like, dangerous, but for me that was scary um, to step out. So, but um, as a woman in Vagabond, I um, I had thought a little bit about that ahead of time, you know, working with kids who are at risk, um, um, inner city kids, and, you know, being a lot of times in, you know, like, as someone would say, like, that part of town, you know, like, that part of town is dangerous, um, and really, like, living in those areas. I think I myself had, um, like, a biased view of, you know, like, that part of town or uh, people like that, but... Um, through training, which was a really good preparation for like, here, here's the kind of things like you're going to encounter. And like the, these, these kids like really do kind of live scary lives at home. Um, training helped to, to prepare me for that. And then jumping right in and uh, going out to the parks, going into uh, neighborhoods, talking to the kids on the streets, meeting families, different things like that. Uh, the more I did it, the less afraid I was. Um, which didn't make it easy, I don't think. I think one thing I learned last year was um, it didn't get easy to do contact work. It didn't get easy to go out and make myself uncomfortable. Uh, but I became more and more comfortable with it. I don't know if that makes sense. It's almost contradictory. Yeah. But um, so, so yeah, and, and Bob, you were kind of talking to me about this before. But um, as a woman, you know, like occasionally and as a feminist, I say this, like we may feel more vulnerable sometimes. Um and I, I certainly did feel vulnerable sometimes, but when I was with my team, and as you, uh, I think you guys know, like, there's two guys, two girls on a team, I always felt safe with my team, even when um, occasionally, like, maybe something, you know, a little more sketchy was, like, going on at a park, or um, or we, like, passed a house where, you know, people were like, oh, man, that house is, you know, like, has a pretty difficult situation there. There's, like, some scary people there. Um, when I was with my team, I, I felt safe. Um yeah. Does that make sense? Any, anything else for that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, <clears throat> um, you know, so 
on She's Too Loud, I mean, I think one of the your guys' motivators with starting that, and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, you know, just this whole idea of kind of the world saying, like, oh, you know, quiet her down or act like a woman or whatever, you know, when there's, like, this sense of, like, it, it should be awesome that, uh, that that we have these, you know, holy women like you that are living their lives loudly. Um, loudly, is that a good... That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, I don't know why you're checking with me. Well, because you you I'm like the last person. Poo, you poo pooed on my uh, whatever the last thing. Unbegin. No, not unbegin. Rebegin. Rebegin. I just knew that was wrong. I mean, I'm an idiot, but even I knew that was wrong. Well, as you rebegin to live loudly. <laughs> um, no, I, I I wanted to say though. Uh, <clears throat> so what do you? Th- I mean, obviously, like I said, you're not an anomaly. We have lots of holy women missionaries um what do you think as a woman that you bring that's unique uh to you know the kind of ministry that we're doing um you know obviously um you you know i don't question the the capacity or the capability of of a woman but we're we're different you know men men and women are different that's a that's a beautiful thing uh if you've never heard before mark it's the first time mark looks surprised when i thought <laughs> oh, yeah um but uh you know i th- i thought maybe just like what would you say that's um a woman uniquely brings um the value that a woman uniquely brings to um to this kind of ministry um relational ministry with uh, inner city young people yeah, I I mean I could talk about this forever, but I think I think women are re- like truly so brave um and really courageous and so like in a ministry like this where from the outside a lot of people would look and say like th- this is a dangerous mission or um you're you're putting yourself into danger. I really do think and I've seen this in other missionaries too like such a bravery and um a courageous effort to like step forward and and enter into that enter into some like pretty messy, like, family relationships, learning more about these kids, um, about their community. I, I think women are so brave um, and really strong. And I, I think, and, you know, like you were kind of saying to get, like, a, a woman's opinion, I know I know a lot less about, like, a man's heart than I wish I did, you know, but um, I really do think women sometimes are uniquely fit um, to carry, like, the burden of somebody's difficult situation, like a teen with a difficult, uh, family situation or like true, like maybe they've lost everyone. Um, I, I think women have a good sense of being able to walk with that person. Um, and, and of course never like take it upon themselves in an unhealthy way, but walk with them, um, speak with them. I, I think, yeah, it's, it's hard to say, cause I, I don't want to be like, guys, don't do this, but I, I don't know. I don't know as much about like a man's heart, but I think also like um, women are, are good at taking that upon themselves and not being discouraged. Um, and of course we all like it's discouraged at times, but, um, I saw my own teammates, um, other vagabond missionaries who, who truly just like, you know, like kept welcoming in like the guys and the girls in there at the underground in the, in the city and, um, without letting it break them, like walking with those kids in some like truly devastating situations. Um, I think in the relational ministry aspect, I, I know that I love to sit down with a teen, like especially my girls in in Wichita, and hear about what they're going through and give them a chance to be listened to. Um, I think 
I think women are good listeners for the most part. It, it's, it takes, like, practice and... What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I think that... Uh, <laughs> there we go. I think all good missionaries are listeners. That's, mm. that's, um, I think that's essential for, especially in Vagabond, you've got to be able to listen to these kids and um, remove yourself from the equation, remove your, uh, like, preconceptions of, of, like, this person and, and this type of person, I think, but... Um, I mean, it, it takes a lot of patience and a lot of listening. I think that that might be another good quality is like true. Like, and it, it is not easy. I like definitely became very impatient sometimes, but um, you'll see your teens kind of like fall back into the same things over and over again, or you'll see them progress, um, come to church. So you, you think they're doing really well, but like stressors push them backwards. And that mm. takes a lot of patience too. Um, you know, keep, keep at it, be persistent. Yeah. Yeah. I tell new, like, missionaries all the time it's like it's definitely like the old cliche of it's like a marathon not a sprint it's yeah. like you'll see yeah you'll see him take two or three steps forward and then it's like four or five steps <laughs> yeah. back and you're like oh okay so you gotta just keep on trucking plugging away um switching gears a little bit <clears throat> away from ministry what was it like for you um living in community yeah with, with the mission yeah, so uh, I've always lived with, like, kind of a full house. I have three sisters. Um, and then uh, in college, I lived in the dorms basically the entire time I was in college. Uh, and I was a part of these groups called Households and um, had to learn. I think I learned probably m- my most patience uh, when I was in community and household. Um, and so then going into Community with Vagabond, I was really excited because um, I learned a lot and I was ready to work on that some more. I think... Um, there are so many perks to community, one being support, um, mutual understanding, and things like that. And um, so I was really excited about coming into community, and I got to live with the other three girls who were in uh, Wichita um, serving as missionaries, and I really did enjoy it a lot. I think, like, full honesty, it gets really hard, especially when everyone's kind of carrying their own burdens. Everyone is, um, at certain times of year, like, things are more stressful, so things things can get tense, just like in any household. Um, in any home. So things, things were difficult sometimes, but, um, I, I really enjoyed being with those girls and having their full support, um, and various different things. And just as I learned uh, a lot about patience, um, community, humility, big time had to learn, um, learning that in college, I I learned even more so like in, and in different ways when I was in community with Vagabond. So not, maybe not going into specifics, but when there were like those hard times in community, how what, how would you guys like work through that? Yeah, uh, we so cat fight, cat fight, <laughs> no, pillow <laughs> fight. Um, no, so so actually, the, this was a huge help, and this was um, the executives at Vagabond kind of came up with this uh, system um, just for. This is what we would do on Mars. If we had to if bring had something to, to Mars, it would be this. <laughs> to rebegun. Um, to to rebegun. Um, we, we have like this kind of, it, sort of like a house liturgy that we do once a week. And uh, part of that liturgy is bringing up uh, specific like house problems, like to put it a certain way. And these aren't like one-on-one problems. Like maybe my one, fr- if I was like, if Bob was living in the girl's house, which he would never, I'd be like, take I'd take Bob aside if it was just a, a he and I problem. But w- w- that part of the liturgy where we could come together and say like, hey, like we really need to work on getting our like dishes done like on time and different things like that that was a big help um solving problems one-on-one was a big a big help for not letting things build up 
Uh, one thing we worked on, like, as a whole community in formation was um, addressing problems individually before they get kind of, like, bad enough to uh, cause, like, more problems or it, it'll be more difficult to kind of clean up, so to say. Um, so addressing things one-on-one, being patient, yeah. One, one more, hold on, one more question, Bob. Speaking of, like, formation, what was, like, how was that, like, throughout, like, your ongoing formation in community yeah. um, as your, your time as a missionary? I don't know if I'm a nerd, but I love formation. And uh, every other week we come together. <laughs> <laughs> they, they like that nerd joke, Shelby. Thank you so much. Uh, the live audience that's over here. <laughs> the live audience thought that was a good one. Thank you, guys. Um, I, I seriously did. I love formation. And every other week we came together as a whole, a whole like, city uh, to do formation. And that was, like, one of my favorite things, getting to see everybody, first of all. But I really appreciated being formed, like, in an ongoing fashion. And, and really I felt like I was being kept up with. We heard from Andy, the era director, often. Um, my team lead did formation with us occasionally. And I really, I felt like I was growing and I learned a lot. We got did, to do. I did formation with you Mark one came, week. yeah, Mark came and visited Wichita, which was a super fun time, and uh, did formation with us. Um, Bob never visited. Um, I, I did that one on Zoom. Remember I did Zoom formation that one time? Oh, yeah, that was good. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. It was My so bad. good she forgot about it. <laughs> 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 thank you. Thank you, audience. That was 2040 Vision. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, but uh, um, I, I'm like a sucker for formation, but I really felt like I was learning more and more skills. Like as in a lot of the stuff we learned, we learned like when we were out in the streets. But uh, <laughs> I also felt like formed in prayer, in community, in mission um, all, all the time. Cool. Thanks for sharing. Um, so I have a question um, regarding like when, when you begin um, – not when you re-begin, just begin, the, the good old-fashioned be- began. Um, did, well, well, tell us as a story, if, if you could turn back the, the mental wheels of memory inside your brain. Um, like, could you, could you remember a time where, like, okay, so there's a common experience, and, you know, tell me if I'm wrong about this, but I know I'm not. You're wrong. Um <laughs> A common experience with new missionaries, I think, is, you know, <clears throat> you've been courted to become a missionary. So you've seen videos and heard stories and talked to former teens. And, and you're like, I want to make that kind of a difference. And, you know, you, you've, you know, maybe watched a video and cried or, you know, like there's there's a part of your heart that, that's been really like engaged. And then I think especially when you begin you're like, oh, crap, like, this is really hard, and I don't feel like I'm making any difference, <laughs> you know, and I, I don't know. I mean, it's just missionary work. That's that's the reality of it is it's it's a grind, and it's hard, and most of the time um, you just don't feel like you're making an impact, you know, um, until you, you, you stop and look. But, you know, occasionally God gives us these cool little moments where um, we do, and I want to just ask, do you, do you remember the first time, uh, maybe it was a conversation time in the park, I don't know, but like where you're like, you know, the first time you felt good about like something you were doing where you're like, oh, like a light bulb, like, okay, God's doing something. This is, this, this is working, you know, God's using, you know, who I am, my yes. Yeah, I think, I think 
there were a couple of, and like you said, it really it does feel sometimes like that uphill battle. And you were saying like two steps forward, one steps back. Um, I definitely did experience that. And I think occasionally felt discouraged, but um, I think there were a couple of small victories, you know, like inviting teens to church and then ac- them actually coming is always, uh, feels really good. Or them asking questions about like, either asking questions about God or just, like, asking you, like, why is it that you, like, wh- why do you want to help? Like, why do you even want to be here with us? Um, but I think the big, and I tell the story, like, all the time. I love this story. But uh, one of my girls had a history of self-harm and a history of poor mental health and depression. And um, I remember, like, one day she, we were talking, and she she had some other friends around, too, and she just said out loud, she was like, um, it's eight months since I've been free of self-harm. Mm. And, like, the level, especially for a kid in the inner city, the level of vulnerability that takes to share with someone. I'd only known her a few months. The other people were all her friends. But um, I I was honored that she would share that with me. And um, this this story, like, makes me feel really emotional, too, just because the, the strength of this one teen um, was truly amazing to me. And she'd had a lot of bad experiences. And uh, family life is always difficult for inner city teens. Um, but her sharing that with me was amazing, and I, I felt, like, truly blessed to have heard that. And um, I asked her, like, when, when she was telling me that, I asked her, like, when's the one-year anniversary of you being free of self-harm? Uh, like, I'd love to celebrate with you when, when that day comes. And um, I could just tell she, like, felt really loved in that moment um, and, and felt listened to. Uh, I, f- I, I think, like, so many times in mission, I thought I was, like, I felt like I was doing the wrong thing or... I didn't know how to say the right things, um, or I missed an opportunity. And just then I, f- I felt like God like gave me this moment so that I could, um, I could let her feel listened to and I could let her feel, um, a little victory for herself. So, <laughs> uh, so when that time came in and she had been, you know, she kind of kept up with me, she was like, uh, and shared more and more. She shared about, um, her journey with mental health and the experience she had had with counseling, which was a, a very bad experience. Mm. Um, I, I loved when she'd be able to open up and I was able to like share in that with her and um, her, her like one year free of self-harm came and we had a little celebration um, and it was really good to, a lot of our kids like have a very tough exterior um, and you know, they kind of keep that toughness to protect themselves. But I could see that she felt like safe enough to be vulnerable, to share that part of her life with me. And um, that, that has impacted me a big, a great deal. And that's pretty much like the main reason I started thinking about uh, becoming a counselor so I think like that that probably was the first time that I was like whoa like like something is happening here. Oh, yeah, that's that's a really beautiful story. I think too it speaks to like I know we say this all the time but like the way we measure success is like different from other ministries or you know parish ministry and it's like you know Bob says like it's not necessarily something you can plug into like a bar graph or a pie chart but like things like that, a kid, you know, for us, that's a success. A kid that can, you know, who's been struggling with self-harm and mental health can go a year, you know, celebrate a year of, like, Mm. freedom from that. Or, you know, you get a kid to leave a gang or graduate high school or, you know, go to college, like, things like that. Like, those are success and victories for us. And it's, like, yeah, not always easy to put in Mm -hmm. a nice, neat, like, little organization organizational chart mm-hmm. so and it's just cool thanks for sharing that mm-hmm. yeah it's really uh I, I love how um i think people that are in tune to the lord's voice you know like they let 
little things open other doors. Like even the fact that you're saying like in that kind of open door for you to the, the next chapter, what God might do with you with, with the counseling and, and uh, you know, mental health uh, stuff. It's really cool to, to see like what God is doing in you, what, what he's done. Um, yeah, I'm grateful just to, you know, be a partner in the gospel with you. It's, it's been, uh, it's been really cool. So, uh, thanks so much for being on our show today. Uh, really, it was it was a lot of fun, a lot a lot of laughter, a lot of laughs. Oh, we had to start the episode like three times because we just kept laughing, <laughs> and then so we hard. took a break in the middle, <laughs> and, and, and took a break in the middle to laugh, and um, and then yeah, here we are again, finishing with more laughter. Um, but we want to thank everyone uh, for for listening. Thank you, um, Franciscan and Deacon Dr. Bob Rice, uh, for letting us use the. Uh, the George Podcast Studio. Thank you to Dan Bozek, the man with the golden hands. Um, <laughs> you could take all that out, Dan. That'd be great. Um, use your golden hands if you want to remove it or not. Um, and we thank you to our listeners. Uh, thanks for being a part of the venture. All 37 of you. If you, uh, We've gone up by five from the start of the show. That's impressive. Yeah. Um, if you uh, if you want to learn more uh, about Vagabond Missions, please uh, go on the website, check it out. We got uh, some stories and videos on there, that kind of thing. If now you, you can listen to the podcast on right the on the website. It's embedded if, in the website. Like if you're on the website, and you're like, I'd like to listen to the podcast, but I just don't want the extra step to leave the podcast. I mean, to leave the website. I'd like to listen to the podcast. Well, now you can listen to it right from right Shelby's from, never listened right to from the, the, podcast the, the website. I bet you episode. she'll listen to this one. Yeah. I bet she'll listen to this one. Uh, anyway, um, we love you. Thanks for being a part of us. Uh, pray for uh, the mission. If you're thinking about uh, applying, you can do that right on the website, too. Um, give us a call if you've got any more questions. And uh, until next time. Peace. 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 She's too loud on Spotify. <laughs>